If you have a Bible, I want you to turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 4. We've been making our way through 1 Corinthians, and we are now in 1 Corinthians chapter 4, the first seven verses. I mean, what a good morning today. Just a, a joy and an expectation of the Holy Spirit moving, uh, and also a big Cubs win last night. Didn't hurt either. Hey, Kelsey. It's nice. Thank you. <laughs> Any other Cubs fans in here this morning? Oh, so good. Oh, it's also good just to be with you this morning and also uh, good to see what the Lord has for us today as we worship Him and fix our attention and our gaze on, on Him this morning. So, well, we're in 1 Corinthians chapter 4, so I'm going to read this and then we'll talk through it together. Uh, this is how one should regard us. This is Paul writing. This is how one should regard us. As servants of Christ and stewards of the mysteries of God. Moreover, it is required of stewards that they be found faithful. But with me, it is a very small thing that I should be judged by you or any by any human court. In fact, I don't need to even judge myself, for I am not aware of anything against myself, but I am not thereby acquitted. It is the Lord who judges me. Therefore, do not pronounce judgment before the time, before the Lord comes, who will bring to light those things now hidden in darkness and will disclose the purposes of the heart. Then each one will receive his commendation from God. I have applied these things to myself and Apollos for your benefit, brothers that you may learn by us not to go beyond what is written, that none of you may be puffed up in favor of one against another. For who sees anything different in you? What do you have that you did not receive? If then you've received it, why do you boast as if you did not receive it? All right, back to the beginning. Um, Paul here is addressing some issues that are going on in the church in Corinth. And as we mentioned a number of times, the church in Corinth is not the picture-perfect church. This place was screwed up. And one of the issues among many that they had was there was a lot of division. And they were judging one another by worldly wisdom. And Dave talked about that last week, the difference between worldly wisdom and godly wisdom. They were judging by how good of orators they were and how good of speakers they were and how good they could make arguments, among, among other things. And so they were making judgments about them and therefore uh, you know, pitting them against each other. Well, this guy's better because, man, he speaks a lot better than this person. This guy's better because of this reason or that reason. And it was causing divisions within the church. So Paul is addressing that, the, the, the issue that they're bringing judgment against him as well as other workers for the gospel. And he says, listen, guys, this is how you should re refer to us. This is how you should regard us as servants of Christ and as stewards of the mysteries of God. He says, our role is we are stewards and we are servants. And in essence, what he's saying is we report ultimately to the Lord and not to you. And it is God who's given us this commission. It's God who has sent us to do the work. It is God who has called us. It is God that we are accountable to. And yes, it's true. We want to be faithful stewards. Yes, it's true. We want to do our work well. Yes, it's true that we want to, to be a good steward and be found faithful with the things that God has entrusted us with, with, with the gospel. He's not saying that, hey, you should regard us as stewards and his servants, and therefore it doesn't really matter what we do, who cares. He's not saying that at all. 
he, he's saying is actually incredibly important. And it is true, he says in the very next verse, that it's important that a steward be found faithful, be found responsible with what he's been given. But what Paul is saying is, but guys, I ultimately report to the Lord and not to you. He goes on a little more. He says, but with me, it is a very small thing that I should be judged by you or any human court. In fact, I don't even judge myself. For I'm not aware of anything against myself, but I am not thereby acquitted. It is the Lord who judges me. And so he's even saying, guys, honestly, it doesn't even bother me or matter to me whether you want to judge me or not. Now, here's the thing about judgment. It tends to be a pretty negative turn, but we judge things all the time. Judging just means to gather information and make a decision. So we judge things, where we're going to eat, what we're going to eat. We're gonna, we judge uh, which, what route should I take to work or to school. We, we judge, we're constantly taking in information and making decisions about them. We make decisions about people. Are they trustworthy or not? Do we like them or not? We're always making judgments about things, and a judgment isn't always bad. A judgment can also be a good thing. So Paul's receiving both good and bad judgments from people. Judgment can f- come in the form of a criticism or a compliment. So if people judge like, this guy's awesome, oh, compliment, 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 compliment. Or if they judge like, oh, this guy's a joke, he doesn't do this, this, or this, here comes the criticism. But both fall under the umbrella of, of judgment. So you think, I, I honestly don't even really care whether you judge me or not. Your judgment upon me, whether good or bad, really is basically meaningless. I mean, how, how unbelievable is that? Like, what, what would it look like if we could get to the point where our moods, our emotions, our value, our purpose did not rise and fall upon people's compliments or criticisms of us? I don't know about you, but like, that tends to make me go like this. And Paul's like, eh, whatever. You want to compliment me? Who cares? You want to criticize me? Whatever. Because he is so secure in his relationship with the Lord and what the Lord has called him to do. He's saying, guys, it's fine. I, I want to be faithful. I want to do a good job. He's not saying it, he, he doesn't care entirely, but he's saying, ultimately, it's the Lord that is going to find me faithful. He's like, I don't even judge myself. And, and not that he should never evaluate or examine ourselves because elsewhere we're told to you know, make sure our conscience is clear and to make sure to examine our heart. But what he's ultimately saying here is even if he feels like in his heart that his motives are pure and that, he doesn't, you know, that nothing is against him, ultimately that is not what acquits him. He's saying he alone isn't even the ultimate judge. He could feel good about something, have the right intentions and the right motives, but still at the end of the day, it is not him who is the final judge. It is the Lord that is going to judge him. So he goes on and talks about what this judgment is going to look like. He says this, do not, adjudge, do not judge things before their appointed time. Um, verse 5, before the Lord comes, who will bring to light the things now hidden in darkness and will disclose the purposes of the heart. Then each one will receive his commendation from God. So Paul points to the issue of who is going to do the judging. He says, God, don't judge. Don't judge me. I don't even judge me, but it's the Lord that's going to judge. So here's the truth of, of the gospel, what's going to take place in human history. We don't know when this is going to take place other than when Jesus comes back, which hopefully is soon, right? So um, when Jesus comes back, it says that he will stand as the judge and we will be judged. Now, if, if you do not follow Jesus, this is not good news. 
because we are going to be held up to the standards that God sets, not our standards or comparing ourselves to other people. We are going to be held to the standard of what's laid out in Scripture. I mean, even some of the basic ones like do not steal, do not lie. I mean, we've all, we've all broken those. And even ones like do not murder. Most of us are like, yeah, I haven't killed a guy, which is good. But Jesus says, actually, it's more than just the actions or the behaviors that are going to be judged. It's actually the heart. And Jesus says, hey, you know, you've heard it said don't kill each other, and that's good and fine and everything. But actually, if you've had like this hatred and bitterness and anger uh, towards a brother or sister, you've actually committed murder in your heart. Or how about this one? Like he says, don't commit adultery. But if you've actually committed adultery against, or if you've looked lustfully against a brother or a sister, or sister or brother in your heart, you've already committed adultery against them. So, those are the standards by which we're going to be held to on the day of judgment when Jesus comes back. Because he's going to judge the world and, and get rid of all the wickedness and evil so that he can restore and fix all things. So he can bring his reign and his rule and his peace and wholeness back into a new heaven and new earth. I mean, that's, that's really good news if you follow Jesus. But if you don't, like, that's what's going to take place. There is, in fact, a day of judgment. But why this is so awesome for believers and why this is good news is because if it was based on our own work and our own merit as we stand before Jesus in judgment, we are in big trouble. But here's the good news. We stand before the just and righteous judge, but we stand as one who's covered by the blood of Jesus. Therefore, we are seen as holy, as pure, as righteous, and as forgiven. When we are judged, we are seen through the lens of the blood of Jesus Christ and his perfection. Therefore, the, the merit that we get to receive eternal life both now and into eternity is not based on your behavior or my behavior. Your action or inaction is based purely on the receiving uh, of the action of Jesus Christ and what he has done for us. Oh, that's so good. But here's the other thing. As believers, we will still stand in judgment. But it's not an issue of fear of heaven or hell. Um, because in First, First John chapter 4, that's what it says. Perfect love casts out fear. Fear has to do with judgment. It has to do with punishment. And we know when we are, have the revelation in our heart of the love of God that has been extended to us through the forgiveness of sin through Jesus Christ, we can stand assured that on the day of judgment, we will be found innocent because our shame and our guilt and our judgment has been placed upon Jesus. Therefore, we do not have to fear. However, what we will be judged for is our actions and our works for the sake of reward. Jesus says here, like, well, not Jesus, Paul says here that when we stand before the Lord in judgment, the, 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 the heart will be laid bare. The things that we've done in secret will be exposed. The things that we've uh, done in private will be brought to light. The, the motives of the heart even will be laid bare. And he says, and we will receive commendation. We receive praise. We will receive reward. There's elsewhere in the word that talks about as believers, we will receive different levels of reward uh, for the work that we do here on the earth. Now, I know this feels really awkward for us because we're like, wait, how is that going to work? I, I don't know exactly what it's going to look like, but imagine that because there's not going to be any sin. There's not going to be any comparison. There's not going to be any jealousy. And so there's still going to be rewards given on the day of judgment for believers, but it's not going to be in, 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 with comparison. It's still going to all of us be able to experience the fullness and the joy and the completeness. But we will receive rewards. But here's the problem. So often we trade in the temporary rewards of this life instead of pursuing and seeking the rewards of eternal life with Jesus. 
I mean, Jesus says this elsewhere, right? In, in uh, Matthew chapter 5, 6, 7, in that ballpark, it's the Sermon on the Mount. And, and Jesus says, specifically about prayer, fasting, and uh, giving. He says, all right, guys, if you want to do this thing, this thing publicly, to boast, to look good, uh, look at all the money I'm giving, you know, look, make yourself look terrible when you're fasting, like, oh, I'm so hungry, I'm fasting, look how spiritual I am, or, or even in prayer, if you're doing it with a heart of trying to boast and look proud, Jesus says, okay, that's fine, you will receive uh, praise, you will receive a reward, but the only reward that you will receive in that moment is the praise of man. If you do those things in secret, then your Father who is in heaven, who sees you in secret, he will reward you. That reward is not a temporal, earthly reward. That is an eternal, heavenly reward. But he's saying this is what happens on the day of judgment because so many of you are just being faithful with the things that God has called you to and so, much, so often it's not recognized, it's not public and you, you want to, man, I just want to be recognized. I want to be praised for these things that I'm doing and here's the truth and the promise and the good news is that the Lord sees you in that, the Lord knows you in that and you will be rewarded for it. Now on the flip side, here's where my danger lies is outwardly and in behavior, it can look awesome. Oh man, look at that, sharing the gospel, look at this, doing this, look at that and doing that. And paying so much attention only to the outward behaviors that we pay no attention to the inward issues of the heart. Because here's the thing, it is not just our behaviors that are gonna be judged, it is our heart that is gonna be judged as well. It's not just about doing the right actions or behaviors, it's also doing it with the right motive. And so yes, we want the behavior should line up with Christ's likeness, but our behavior and character, our heart and behavior should also, and excuse me, character should also line up with Christ's likeness as well. Because there's gonna be a day, if you're doing things just for the praise of man, you're gonna stand before the Lord, and he's like, dude, what was that about? You did, you did that for recognition of yourself. And I believe that the heart of all of that comes from what we find in John chapter 12, verse 43. This is what it says. Right before this, people are afraid to give a public declaration of faith in Jesus because they're afraid of being kicked out of the, the spiritual gathering. They're afraid of being kicked out of the synagogue. And then this is what the response is. For they loved the glory that comes from man more than the glory that comes from God. Your translation may say it a little bit different. It's for they love the praise of man more than they love the praise of God. Or they love the affirmation of man more than they love the affirmation of God. They love the acceptance of man more than they love the acceptance of God. And is that not true for us so often of the time? Like we want to do things for notoriety, we want to do things to look good, we, we want to do those things because our primary care most of the time is that we want the accolades and the praise of man more than we're concerned about the accolades and the praise of the Lord. Man, you know this, guys. You know how exhausting and how weary this is. Because when we are trying so hard to receive the praise and the honor and the, the accolades, the acceptance of those around us, we have to continue to work harder and harder and harder and harder. And we, it's not about the things that are not seen, it's about the things that are seen. So we're continuing to work hard so that you look at me like, man, that Britain, real deal right there. Look, 
humble, gracious, kind, compassionate, right? Whatever it, may, whatever it may be, I will work hard if I'm primarily concerned about your praise rather than God's praise, I'm gonna do the things that get your attention rather than his. And I think Paul says, man, that life is so weary, that life is so, it is not a life of freedom because my joy, my contentment, my peace, my purpose, my, my, my life and satisfaction, wholeness, therefore then is found in what you think of me rather than what the Lord thinks of me. And here's the thing, when we seek the satisfaction and the praise of man and woman and those around us, it is always changing. What do you think about it? Sports is a great example. Um, I'll just use, well, how about a Cubs analogy? That sounds appropriate, right? Um, <laughs> But even in sports, Cubs is a great example. You have guys that are, are hitting the ball really well and are doing great, get you to the postseason, and all of a sudden these all-stars that you're like, oh, you guys are amazing, they go cold and they can't hit a ball for, for games at, on end. And you're like, mm, they're terrible. Sit them, bench them, they're horrible. Then all of a sudden the next night they're cranking two hormones, like they're the best thing that's happened to this team, right? We do that not only in sports, we do that with one another. We're so fickle. And when we're trying to seek the approval of man over the approval of God, it is exhausting. He, here's why the gospel is so good. Because the gospel restores us back into relationship with the creator of the universe. And he, his affirmation, his affection, his love, his grace is not conditional because it's not based on our works. It's based on the work of Jesus. Therefore, it is stable, it is unchanging, and it is secure. Oh my word, that is such good news. Like... That is so freeing then because when I want to walk in such intimacy with the Father and do what he asks me to do, and it's not out of this obligation, it's not out of this like, oh, burden, I gotta do what he wants me to do. It's out of joy of walking in relationship with this incredible God when I, my heart is open to, to his love and his glory and I gaze upon his beauty and wonder. I'm like, man, this is so much greater than the praise of man. Why would I want that garbage? But when we don't gaze upon the beauty of the Lord and his grace and his goodness and his awe and splendor and wonder, we begin to look for that elsewhere and we find it in cheap substitutes. And man, they do not satisfy. But Paul had such this life where he was so secure in, in his calling, he was so secure in his identity, so secure as a son, so secure as a saint, so, so secure as a servant, so secure as a steward of the mysteries of, the, of God, of the gospel. He was so secure in that, in, in his walk with the Lord, that he could have cared less whether people gave him compliments or criticized him. He was like, mm, it's fine. I'm walking faithfully with where God wants me to be. Imagine a life of that. How freeing. I believe this morning the Lord does want us to, to, to be free of that. We, we do things or we don't do things because we're primarily concerned with the glory of man rather than the glory of God. And I think this morning the Lord is just inviting us to take our gaze off of the, the, the compliment of man and put it back on the gaze upon the glory of God because once our hearts are captured by that, it, it, it doesn't matter what the world says good or bad about us. It is enough and it's sufficient. Now here's the thing about this though. Paul says, guys, you shouldn't be judging me. Because ultimately he says, and what he's saying I think specifically, what not to judge here, is the motive of the heart. He said, you don't even know what's going on with me and the Lord. You, you don't know, you can't tell. You are only judging my outward uh, actions and behaviors, but you don't know the motive of my heart. And in fact, the only person that knows the motive of our heart truly is the Lord. 
And so Paul's saying, I think specifically when he says, do not judge things before their appointed time, this doesn't mean do not judge, period. It says do not judge whether someone's a faithful servant or not. Do not judge whether they're doing what God wants them to do um, because that ultimately is an issue of the heart and and that's between them and the Lord. However, here's our problem. We, and I believe it's ultimately because we care about the praise and the affirmation of man rather than God, we've made it to be do not judge, period, and we don't think we should judge anything. But we're told to judge. We're told even in 1 Corinthians, later on in 1 Corinthians, let's jump jump down first to 1 Corinthians 6, verse 1. When one of you has a grievance against another, does he dare uh, go before the law Go to law before the unrighteous instead of the saints. Or do you not know that the saints will judge the world? And if the world is to be judged by you, are you incompetent to try trivial cases? Do you not know? Get Get this. Do you not know that we are to judge angels? What? We are to judge angels. How much more than matters pertaining to this life? Like, when this final judgment comes, we as followers of Jesus will have a part to play in that. We will be part of judging the world. I don't know exactly that's gonna, what that's going to look like. I'm anxious to see. But we're going to be a part of that judgment. And we get the responsibility of judging angels as well. So he's saying, guys, if that's going to happen at the end, how much more do we have a responsibility to judge, judge trivial cases, issues between brothers and sisters within the body of Christ to help restore that and help weigh the evidence and say, no, this is right, no, this is wrong, this person's right, this person's wrong. We shouldn't be suing one another, which we'll talk about as we get later on to 1 Corinthians chapter 6 there. But, but we could restore and fix those things within the church. But if you go right before this, it's even broader than that. In, in 1 Corinthians 5 verse 12, For what have I to do with judging outsiders? Is it not those inside the church whom you are to judge? God judges those outside. Purge the evil person from among you. Uh, This is pretty straightforward. Paul tells us we have a responsibility to judge those in the church. We do not have a responsibility, which hopefully brings freedom and releases you from an obligation that maybe you've put upon yourself. It is not your job to judge those outside the church. Now, however, it is your job to speak the truth. Point them to Jesus, where the Holy Spirit will then convict them. Um, But he's saying that's that's not his, his job, and we should share. Yes, Jesus is the only way. That's the truth. Yes, there is a consequence to sin, yes. But, but it's the Lord who's gonna do that, that work of judgment there. But we have a responsibility as brothers and sisters to judge one another. And here's the bad thing. We've done that so poorly that we don't wanna do it at all. Or we go the other way, like, man, that's so loving, dude. I, just, I think we should just like, accept each other and love one another. It's cool, like, love will, will take care of it all. Yes, we are supposed to love. Oh, please love one another. But we are supposed to speak the truth in love. Some of you love to speak the truth. Say it like it is. We are told to speak the truth in love. 
when we come to faith in Jesus Christ, we are not just empowered to like live a moral life. We, through the Holy Spirit, are united with Christ. Therefore, it is the very life of Jesus himself being made manifest within us. And therefore, you wanna know what speaking the truth in love looks like. Look at the life of Jesus. He spoke the truth boldly and directly, but boy, did he do it in such love and tenderness and mercy. We have an obligation and a responsibility to judge, but we are not to judge one another's kind of motives of the heart. I think we can ask about that and say, Where, where's your heart on this, on this? But ultimately, we can't see that, but we have a responsibility as brothers and sisters to bring judgment on one, to one another on behavior. Now, judgment, maybe it's just a terrible word because it's like, when I hear that, it's like, oh, we're gonna go around and be like, you, stop doing that. Stop lying, stop cheating, stop gossiping, stop looking at porn, stop doing that. Right. That we would do it in love and tenderness. Galatians 6.1, I think this, this might be up there, is it? Oh, sweet. Um, Brothers, if anyone is caught in a transgression or a sin, you who are spiritual should restore him in a spirit of what? Oh, gentleness. Keep watch on yourself, lest you too be tempted. Like, we have a responsibility, but man, let's do this in love and tenderness and grace. Because it's not about simply getting someone to stop sinning. That's simply trying to modify behavior. What our hope and our goal is that we would spur one another on towards Christ. Where we would help one another gaze upon the beauty and the glory and the splendor of Jesus. And that when we recognize how great he is and what he's done for us. And how he's made us no longer sinners but saints. That we would spur one another on to live into the identity that we already have. Is that as saints and that we are being made perf perfect in Christ. And we are growing in Christ's likeness. When we confront one another in love, it should be such tenderness and mercy and grace, but it should be also in step with the truth because this God that we worship deserves our lives. He deserves us to walk in Christ-likeness. So when you confront one another, don't shy away from it, but do it in love. But here's the other thing. I think this is, this, I, I thought this was maybe just a younger generation thing. I think we all do this though too. It's like, whoa, 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 who am I to judge Right, I, I, I do dumb things too, therefore I have no right to judge. Now, you have no right to judge if you're gonna hold someone to a different standard than you. And I think this is what uh, Matthew 7 verse one says. Uh, why don't you turn there? It says, judge not lest, or that you, it's like King James, why not King James on you, hold on. <laughs> Isn't it funny though, like, for the really hard verses, we tend to remember them in King James for some reason. Judge not that you will not be judged. We tend to stop there and go, see, I should never judge. Except elsewhere in scripture, it tells us we are supposed to judge. But it talks about, I think, how we're supposed to judge, not with a hypocritical heart or spirit. For with the judgment you pronounce, you will be judged. And with the measure that you will use, it will be measured to you. Why do you seek the speck that is in your brother's eye, but do not notice the log that is in your own eye? Or how can you say to your brother, let me take that speck out of your eye, when there's a log in your own eye? You hypocrite. First take the log out of your own eye, then you will see clearly to take the speck out of your brother's eye. I think this is what it's saying, is like that we have an attitude, a heart of grace, that when we remember, we screw up just as much as they do, maybe in different ways, and so before I'm gonna go uh, address a sin in love and grace to a brother or sister, I'm gonna look at myself and be like, man, God, look at the grace that you've extended towards, towards me, and, and not go, therefore, I'm disqualified to call out sin in a brother or sister, but then to go, oh, I'm gonna be gracious, because look, God, how you've been gracious to me, that we would show grace to one another. 
You, uh, some of us, we say, oh, I don't judge people, I don't judge behaviors, but what the popular thing nowadays is to not judge behavior, but to simply go straight for judging motive. So we say, I'm tolerant, I'm tolerant, I'm tolerant, no, it's cool, do what you want, and then you say something I disagree with, and man, I'm so quick to label you. Man, you're a hater, you're a bigot, you're whatever, you're a racist, you're a jerk, you're a liberal, you're a conservative, you're blah, 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 blah. And when something happens, we're so quick to judge the heart. I believe Paul's saying that we don't judge the heart in this, we simply address um, just the action and we, we simply assume the best in people. But here's the thing. I think one of the main reasons why I hate confronting sin in other people is because I love the glory of man more than I love the glory of God. I care more about how you're going to respond more than that Jesus is worth it and that he deserves a bride that is pure and holy for his return. Honestly, that's why I hate being confronted with sin, too. It's not fun. When someone wants to point something out in me, the reason why I don't like it is because oftentimes in those moments when I feel that, ugh, I hate this creeping up in me, it's because I find myself in those moments, I'm seeking the praise, the affirmation, and the affection of man rather than the Lord. Because what happens is when I'm secure in what the Lord is doing in me, that I'm a saint, that he's working in me to make me more like Christ, that he loves me, that is unconditional, that he's, 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 he's walking in step with me, all, all that stuff. When I'm secure in that, and you come to me like, yo, Britton, that was a really jerk thing to do. Uh, at first it may sting, but I go, wow. God is so gracious and loving for him to point this out in me so that I can grow in, in Christ's likeness. Praise the Lord. But that only happens when my eyes are fixed on the Lord and I'm consumed with his glory and his grace. But here's the thing. If you're like me and someone comes loving in a loving way, in a compassionate way, in a tender way, and they're like, oh, Britain, you know, it's hard to say this, but I may, I may be off. I, I'm, not, I'm not so sure, but hey, I saw this. You said this. Uh, it really hurt me. I'm much more willing to accept that. But my fault is is if you come to me and say something in a very unloving, harsh, condemning way, especially if you assume my motives, my temptation is to disregard that completely. And I think one of the ways that God wants to grow us in grace is that even when someone comes to me harshly, or if they come to me graciously, I still, my first step is to take it to the Lord and say, Lord, is there any truth to this? Because I think that's how we get past trying to please you. Like, oh, that stings, or oh, that's hard. But man, I care more about the praise and affirmation of the Lord. I'm gonna go to him and go, God, is there any truth to this? And, and if there is, I wanna deal with that. And if not, I'm just gonna disregard it and trust that the Lord knows my heart in those things. But so often we're closed off because we don't like hearing negative things because we're concerned like, oh my gosh, I thought you loved me. No, no, th that's why they're sharing it to you is because they love you. They want us to see one another. We want each other to be spurred on in Christ-like, in wholeness. Um, but we don't receive it well if we are predominantly concerned about the glory and the praise and the affirmation of man rather than the Lord. It's a good place to quit. This morning, I think I just realized this week, not in my own life even, like, how we are so enslaved and bogged down by the opinions of others. Jesus has set us free from that. We are so afraid to walk in boldness and do the things the Lord calls us to do uh, because we care about what other people think. Jesus has set us free of that. 
Some of you are so burdened and bogged down by comparing yourself, the work that God has called you to, you're comparing it to the people around you. You're like, well, it's not as cool, it's not as flashy, it's not as public, therefore it must not be as good. And the Lord has set us free of that. The Lord is the one who sees our heart, and we will stand before him one day, and we will receive the, the praise and the credit that, it, that, that we receive, but even in our ability to live out in obedience is because of the Holy Spirit. That's what Paul's saying here. It's like, everything you receive from the Lord is grace. It's grace. It's a gift that we have nothing to boast about. So that day, when I get to see you guys again in eternity, and we're all like seeing Jesus face to face, and our minds blown, and our hearts blown about how awesome it is, and then that day when we pass from this life into the next, and we stand before him, there is such joy and assurance of our salvation that we get to receive an eternity with him is not based on our own merit, but on Jesus. But even when we stand before him and we receive the rewards for our faithful service to the Lord, we can't even boast in that because it's his grace that even gives us the ability to do it. My prayer for us, Moran Park, is that we would walk from here as being people who are so secure in the, the love and the acceptance and the assurance and the grace of our Father in heaven that we would grow in not caring about what others think. And for some of you, your prayer this morning simply may be, oh God, I care so much about what people think of me. Help me not care and help me see that your glory is so much better than theirs. Because I tell you what, it's so much better. It doesn't compare. Let's pray. God, your word says that the glory, the glory of the Lord will fill the earth. And we long for that day. We look forward to that day, Jesus, where you will come back and you will, you will restore all things and you will get rid of the, the wickedness and evil and sin and effect of sin. And we long for that day where things will be restored and made whole once again. But God, in, in, until that day comes, will we be so secure on that future judgment on the, the heavenly reward, the heavenly riches, God, that we would not put our hope and our trust in fleeting, worldly, and human praise. God, that when we are criticized, that it wouldn't keep us up at night, we'd be so worried about it, but that we would simply address the things that maybe are true and say that doesn't has no effect on my identity. God, for those times that we are praised, may we be quick to give you praise in those times, Lord. Um, but not put our hope and our purpose and our, our value and worth in what others think about us, even if it's good. God, would you continue to give us revelation and open our hearts to the extent of your love for us, that we would walk, even as Paul walked, in such freedom from the opinions of other people. But God, we do ask that you would search our heart. If there are things that are not right, that you would, you would address them because you love us. And we want, because you're worthy, we want to be a people that display your glory, your character, your worth, and your value to the nations in an accurate way. We pray this in Jesus' glorious name. Amen.